it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. and welcome to Raw Milk Meats, where this time around I am joined by a guest who is as synonymous with Accrington as Norai Brick or, dare I say, Accrington Stanley itself. Hailing from Water Street, Accrington, representing Lancashire and England as a professional cricket player before dabbling as a first-class umpire and going back to Lancs in England as first-team cricket coach. He may, however, be more recognised as the voice of Sky Cricket for over 20 years, touring the world and giving all cricket fans some of their most memorable moments in history. Here's my chat with David Lloyd, Bumble. Let's have it. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new Raw Milk Meets and I'm delighted to be joined by David Lloyd, known affectionately by his thousands of fans around the world as Bumble, a man who needs no introduction really to anybody from Accrington. Um, David, how are you going first of all? How's things? How's life treating you? 
Well, I've got to tell you, it's bloody rough at the minute. Um, I'm yeah. Long-term medical condition, which won't go away, and I'm trying to manage it, which means I can't, I, I can't travel very far. It's it, it's a bit of a bummer, really, but you've just got to get on with it, and it's the joys of, of getting old. And it, it's funny that you, you mentioned that nickname, and I, I, I tweeted up the other day what's in a nickname, because my nickname's changed over the years. When my family and I had a massive family, my mother had 13 brothers and sisters and my dad had four. And I was just known as, as a young kid. I was Tosh. That that was my nickname, Tosh. I went to I went to school and I was just Lloydie. That was it, Lloydie. And then I went to Accrington Secondary Technical School, which is in Oseltwistle, opposite the Palladium Picture House. I don't know whether that's still there. Um, and then I was Selwyn because there was a foreign secretary called Selwyn Lloyd. And so I just picked that up, Selwyn. And then I started playing cricket at Lancashire, not at Accrington. When I went to Lancashire, this nickname Bumble, and it, it's Bumble that, that, that has really stuck. But if you're to press me, which, which do you like best? Which your nickname is Lloydie. I, just at, at school, I was Lloydie and I would answer to that more than anything else, really. Where has it come from then, that nickname Bumble? Where does the story sort of originate from? It comes from Michael Benteen, who was one of the original goons with Harry Seacombe and Spike Milligan, Peter Sellers. And Michael Benteen had a programme a bit like The Simpsons, which were caricatures, and they were called the Bumblies. And it, it, people that I played cricket with reckoned that I looked like one of the Bumblies. So I just got called Bumble. But it, it, that's been shortened as well. That I, I get in, in cricket circles, I get bum. That's all I get. Just <laughs> bum. I mean, that's horrible. No, that's true. It's funny you should say that because my, I don't know if you knew this, but my dad is Buzzer, the old groundsman. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I know. And he, um, Buzzer comes, it was so strong, his nickname, that his own mum calls him Buzzer. You know, that's how long it's been around. And that comes from him originally being a Liverpool fan yeah. and it sort of originates because he was being called Matt Busby at the start of it as sort of a wind up from the Man United uh, manager yeah. and over the years it sort of transitions into buzzer I think that's I think that's what he told me he might I might just be he might scream at me and say I've made that up but I think that's where it comes from but yeah it's 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 a funny one I mean I don't have any nicknames so it's it's interesting that you've got three or four um, I think that shows that you're affectionately known by people um, sorry to hear about your health uh, issues, though. I hope they sort of yeah. get ironed out in one way or another, um, and hopefully see you back around Accrington watching games soon enough. Um, well, yeah, I've got a few questions for you. Like I said, these it's a new sort of a new style of show. This where I just want to speak to people from around the town, really, um, in, that do more than more than one or two things around the town. Really, I put on Twitter last night. You know, I think that. Arguably, you are more Accrington's most famous son now. Um, what do you think about that? I mean, I think people people recognise John Anderson from Yes, don't they? And Mystic Meg gets a shout, but I think you're definitely in the conversation there. And Julie Esmond Alsh, of course, she's the actress, and there's a very very famous operatic singer called John Tomlinson, who's you know famous worldwide in his sphere. And so you know, I. I'm I'm just I'm a lad from Water Street, Accrington. I lived in, in a terraced house. 
And, you know, I tell my kids that, you know, we had an outside toilet and it didn't flush. It didn't flush out there. And there were no toilet paper. It was just a, like a newspaper ripped up in bits and nailed on the back of the door. And so, you know, I'm just a, I've always said that I don't like all that pretense and celebrity status. You know, I'm just a, a bloke who uh, I, I reckon I've worked hard. I've, I've worked bloody hard to to get what I've got. But I had a driving ambition to sort of, you know, to get better to, in, in life, really. No, fantastic. Yeah, I think I think certainly if not, then, yeah, you're definitely in that conversation with those people. I've never heard of the opera singer. I'll have to have a look at him. John Tomlinson, he said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, you've just touched on it a little bit there. My first question was to do with that. I mean, you're as synonymous with Accrington, I would say, as you are with cricket in many ways. Um, whenever I mention sort of being from Accrington, a lot of the people, especially living in, in the Manchester area now, someone did it to me on Saturday. I went to watch um, a non-league football team. And as soon as I said Accrington, he said, oh, Bumble, Bumble, Bumble's from Accrington, isn't he? I mean, what are your earliest memories of sort of growing up in Accrington? Um, you know, was it cricket and football all the time for you? You know, what what was it like back then? Because I think for some somebody who's a little bit younger, uh, a few of the lads that listen to this are even younger than me even. Uh, you know, what has changed in the area, do you think, since them times? How, just how different is it? Well, let, let's strip it right back to, you know, living in Water Street that, that's, in the 50s and the 60s, there's no central eating. You had a fire, and the coalmen used to deliver um, bags of coal, five bags. My mother used to say, Always oh, count them, get out there, David, and count them bags, make sure he's put five in. And I don't want any nutty slack, I want lumps of coal. And so there, there was always a fire, there were no central eating. We had an outside toilet, um, and you know, I can remember. All the industry in the town, the, the, we had a coal mine up Skakely Street, somewhere up there. Some uh, Howard and Bullers was massive and lots of foundry workers. And at seven o'clock in the morning, you could hear the clogs going down the street. You know, there's an absolute stream of people in the front street and the back street off to work at seven in the morning. And I also remember the knocker upper. That a fella that, that used to go along with a stick and tap your windows to wake you up because there were no alarm clocks. And I, I, I do remember Timex. I think they were Timex coming in with an alarm clock. And I remember our first television, which I think was a 12 inch with a magnifying glass on the front of it in black and white. And so these are vivid memories. And of the weekend, me and my pals, and I was a big church goer. I went to Cambridge Street Methodist Church and, it, it, that formed loads of friendships and we would meet what they called on the deck and the deck was outside the town hall and it was a railing and people used to i'll meet you on the deck and that was a hubbub of a meeting place for people from accrington at a weekend to go meet your mate down there and then we'd go either into the market in cover market and have a cup of coffee or across the road into redmond's and have a cup, cup of coffee in there so these are all vivid memories. And of course, Accrington Stanley, just growing up with Accrington Stanley. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like you say, listening to that, I think it's it's a, it's a completely different world away, isn't it? The world has changed so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mass- massively so that, you know, people get older and there's a lot older than me knocking around. But you go through 
these eras and cycles where it all changes and you know like i mentioned again at no central eating you didn't uh, you had a potty under the bed a chamber pot that you'd fill up you fill up in yeah. a week and then have to empty it and a hot water bottle and you, you johnny anderson a famous guy from from accrington he went to seek his fortune in london as a singer and formed the group yes alongside rick wakeman and was it chris squire and a couple of others but johnny used to deliver the milk on a horse and cart he delivered milk on a horse and cart for proctors up near uncourt so he, he lived just on the next block to us so you know i knew him his brother stuart uh, his other brother tony and he's he had a sister called joy um and they lived just a bit higher up no it's fantastic to hear stories like that about people that have gone on like you say and worked really hard but are still you know that background in the town delivering milk on a horse and car what a great story for somebody yeah. who's who's into that band yeah you, you mentioned sort of peel park there did you go you did you go to school at peel park as well yeah and, and you know family tradition my dad went to peel park i went to peel park all my kids went to peel park grandchildren went to peel park and so uh, you know i think the teachers are certainly not there from my dad but uh, the teachers it, were, were lovely knowing that there's another of the family who, who's coming to school. It was a good school as well, a great school. And the, what is the car park now was was our wreck. That's where we used to play. That You mentioned earlier, was it football, cricket? That's exactly what it was. No, there's no other. People talk to me, oh, do you watch the rugby? I said, well, I don't. I didn't actually because I, I, I don't. There were not, when I was growing up, there's no rugby. I don't know what they're doing at rugby. I know there's rugby union and rugby league, but, you know, I can listen to the ref and he's educating me as to what's happening. But I, I'm not a great fan because I don't really understand the game. But that wreck, summer and winter, was football, cricket, football, cricket, and full, absolutely full. Everybody used to turn up. And I'll t- I just tell you a funny story. We were a very modest family, but I always had a football. And if I've been naughty, if I've been bad, and my mum my was a real tyrant, she wouldn't let me out from So They'd knock on the door, my mates, and he, is, uh, is Lloydy coming out? No, he's not coming out. He's been naughty today, he's stopping in. And then they'd say, well, is his football coming out? <laughs> they, they want a part of the football because, you know, I, had a, I always had a good football. I always had a good one, and they always wanted to play with it. Fantastic, yeah. I mean... You've just you've just mentioned there sort of growing up around that time, being in that Peel Park area. I think it would be remiss of us really not to mention that sort of fall of Accrington Stanley during the 60s. Because I think that for a lot of fans that weren't around at that time, it's almost unfathomable to me to sort of think about Peel Park and its pomp. And, you know, I've seen a documentary from the 80s that was about the downfall and stuff like that. But you look at, I know that attendances waned um, mm. towards the end completely, but you look at some of the attendances, you know, during the 50s and, and the 60s. What was it like there in terms of a place just to watch football? Because I, I, I just can't, I can't even fathom it, to be honest, looking at it now from a, a modern fan's perspective. Well, you'd go into the ground and you'd go and stand behind the goals. That's where we used to stand. And there'd be house bricks on the floor, just loose house bricks which as a young kid, all the children used to stand on house bricks so they could see over the wall. And I recall that there were no advertising boards. So your dad or your parent will hand you over the wall and you'd sit behind the goals and you'd get peppered 
like this ball coming down at you, but you'd sometimes sit at the other side of the wall. Um, no trouble, no no segregation. None of, so if you were kicking uphill, you'd go behind that goals, and second half, you'd change round. Both sets of spectators would just change round, waving to each other, how, do, how are you doing? All right, nice to see you. No trouble at all. And then it was later, probably in the 60s, swinging 60s, when, it, you know, violence came into football and, and there was segregation and, and lots of police presence and fights at grounds. But that was a, just an era when, you know, it's supposed to be all peace and love, but there were a lot of violence knocking around as well. Yeah. Did you see that at Pill Park then as well? Was there, no. was there elements of that? No, I, I, I did see it at Burnley and Blackburn because my dad would take me to Burnley and Blackburn uh, as a special treat. And there'd be 40,000 on, you know, yeah. 30. 40,000 on and, and mainly all standing, mainly standing. You'd obviously you'd have a, a posh stand uh, that was seated, but mainly everybody was standing. And you, you get a bit of bother then, which, you know, was it was disconcerting to see as, as a child, as a young one. It was, oh, my goodness, what's going on? Um, but, but it's just different eras. You go through all that. Again, no drugs, no drugs, none whatsoever, none. And then that era came in mm. and changed society. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, how did it measure up to the sort of the crown ground today? If you if you were to compare the two, were they that different, or would you say that you preferred watching football at Peel Park or the Crown Ground? What do you think? Well, the, let's call it the Wham Stadium, or I'll get the in Wham Stadium. Trouble. I'll get in terrible trouble. Um, it, I think it's a fantastic ground and something to be really proud of. Um, because, you know, we were hand-to-mouth and a dilapidated ground. Accrington Stanley's original ground at Peel Park fell into disrepair. There was a lot of apathy around, but in, in its glory years, it was a great place to go. It, it was, you know, a buzzing place, if you, you know what I mean? It, it was yeah. vibrant and a bit of music playing. We used to play that song, the, the Stanley song, On Stanley On, when the mm. lads came out. Um, and so it was a memorable place. And, you know, I mentioned last week that I did a similar sort of thing uh, with Darren that it, at Water Street, I would see the players go going to the ground, carrying the boots under their arm. They would pass pass our house. And so you'd, you'd come to know who they are and who the new signings were, because they were all Scottish at that time. Um, latterly, you got a couple of English guys who would come in, but mainly with Walter Galbraith, it was a Scottish team. Um, but but the ground in its glory, it, it was fine. But when it fell apart, the directors had no money, the club had no money, they got into debt. There's nobody going watching, and it was a perfect storm that they went out of business. Yeah, it's sad to hear about that, isn't it? Because I I often think sort of what could have been when you look at teams like Blackburn and Burnley around us. I know that we were never, you know, a club of that size, but I always think about the sort of football boom after the World Cup win, et cetera, et cetera, 70s and 80s, the money that mm. went into football. I always look at sides, sort of the size of Rotherham, uh, teams like that, maybe Rochdale and think, you know, what could have been really with a fan base? But it, yeah, it's been well documented, hasn't it? It's probably a, a massive low point in the town's history, that really. Um Back onto yourself then, you again, you, you played a lot for Accrington Cricket Club and then you were picked up for, for Lancashire. What was the process then? Because, you know, I think I know that 
I'm a Enfield Cricket Club member myself. I always have been. I grew up on Dillow Lane just across the street. My brother now plays for the first team at Enfield. Um, what was the process then in sort of get, getting selected for the county side? Were you were you there as a junior or was it more of a, as you got older, were you selected? Well, I was playing at Accrington Cricket Club as a, a, a junior member and playing sort of 4th, 11, under 18s, 3rd, 11. And at school, we had a great teacher called Mr Cunliffe, Bob Cunliffe, who lived on Queen's Road. And he sent me for Lancashire Schools trials. He knew that I was playing uh, and doing OK for the teams at Accrington. And, you know, to cut to the chase, I, I went for Lancashire Schools trials. The best thing ever that you played at, at Old Trafford. You played North Lancashire v South Lancashire. And that was an eliminator as to who would play for Lancashire. So wow. North South was played at Old Trafford. And then the team Lancashire Schools, they also played at Old Trafford. And I did well. So, I mean, an absolute showpiece right outside the pavilion. So the committee would be watching, the coaches would be watching. And I got picked up straight from there. And I knew where I was going. I knew I was going there in my last year of school. Um, that That's because during my school holidays, in the year before I left, I was down at Old Trafford all summer, just practising and netting. Um, and so I knew as soon as I'd finished playing cricket, that uh, sorry, I'd finished school, that's where I was going. And football, sadly, I had to take a back seat. I always wanted to be a footballer and football is my sport. Football is my passion. Cricket is my business. But I love golf. You know, I love playing golf. It's the most frustrating game that's ever been invented. But I love fishing as well. I, I'm a, I'm, I like fly fishing and I like that that sort of loneliness of fly fishing where you're on your own and there's a bit of stealth. You don't just sit there and drown a worm. You, you're moving around and seeing where the fish are and trying to work out what depth they are. What are they feeding on? Is it the right time of day? And I like that sort of, it's a bit cat and mouse. It's you and the fish. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoy my time as a fisherman. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm going fishing myself. Obviously, I'm a teacher, but I'm going on Thursday on the River Ribble as well. But you've just said um, I, I don't do any fly fishing, so I'm one of them uh, worm drowners. Uh, you've just thrown me under the bus, I think. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, the Ribble, as, as, as uh, salmon in, you get a salmon yeah. out the Ribble. Um, it's cleaned up immensely. Um, but it, I've, I've been a, a few times to Scotland and I've only ever caught one salmon in years years i've only ever caught one but that's not the point i'll go for five days and and stand up to my waist i'll stand yeah. up waist. um now then my battery's going to run out I'm, that's a bloody dad can we pause for a second yeah of course no problem i'll just get some juice I mean, a lot of people would give anything. For, I think a salmon, even catching one salmon, is a fish of a lifetime. To be fair, I've never been anywhere near one. Um, so don't don't be too harsh on yourself that you've only ever got one. But yeah, it's well, more about because well, I've, I've go fishing sometimes. I haven't been for years because of COVID and so on. But I go with Beefy and Botham. He's got every piece of gear going, every piece of gear, and he talks a fantastic game. And he <laughs> he don't catch either. <laughs> 
<laughs> sometimes simplicity is the key, isn't it? Um, Excellent. So yeah, you, so you went on to Lancashire there as a young player as well, and then of course you went on to represent your country as well. How did that feel as a young man? Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, fantastic to you know it's it's the achievement and you know your lifetime's ambitions realised and to play at Lords in in the first game, you know, I had to really pinch myself, but I was playing well. I know that I was playing well. And Jeffrey Boycott, who's a mate, um, he he got injured. He broke his thumb or damaged his thumb. And I would only get into England's team. I'm talking about Boycott and Edrich. I mean, they were fantastic players. I would only get in if one of them got injured. And Boyce got injured and I was playing well. And, and I knew that as soon as he got injured, I would be the next one because they looked at me in test trials. I played bloody awful in test trials, but they, they knew how my results were good. My scores were good. And, and I, I thought I'm going to get picked here. And I did. And, and that's in the times of telegrams. So I've, I've still got drawers full of telegrams from, from people. I mean, how do you send a telegram? these days? I mean, nobody would think of sending a telegram or writing a letter. They don't do it. I was going to, I wanted to ask you about um, the pressures of, of playing in Australia as well as an Englishman. How intense is that? Because I've heard Andrew Flintoff talk in the past about captain in the side out there and sort of different people. What was it like in your era out there? Was it was it as intense, that rivalry, as we see now with the teams or yeah, more friendly? It, it was, again, you you turn out at the MCG in front of 90,000 and 45,000 at the SCG. And you're, you're better off in grounds like that because you you just hear a buzz. There's just a, yeah. just a noise. It's just noise. You know, it's far worse if you turn out in front of 200 because you'll hear somebody. You just hear. <laughs> But when there's, when there's 90,000, it, you, 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 it, it stimulates you. you. You're sort of on a wave, really. And playing against Australia at, at that time, they had a fantastic team. And they beat us 4-1. And the West Indies followed us and they beat them 5-0. Wow. So you can tell how good they were with Jeff Thompson and Dennis Lilly, Ian Chappell, who I spoke to last week. And they've, they've all, Rodney Marsh, who sadly passed away, um, Ian Redpath um, they were they were great blokes they were brilliant to play against and that tradition although you know it's it's a tough game and at the end of the game end of the day you'd go into either our dressing room or their dressing room and have a yarn with them you'd have a beer with them and that was tradition and I think they've watered that down now they would only go at present day I think they would go and it, it started off that they would go at the end of the test match into one room. And now I think they wait till the end of the series. Wow. Go. And so I can, I can say they're missing out. They're missing out. Get in there and sit with one of these lads and get to know what the character is. What Get to know what makes them tick. And it was it was fantastic. They beat us 4-1 because they were better. They were better equipped. But it, it was a... A wonderful experience to to play in Australia, and and of course it's it's sort of forty degrees and forty five degrees. 
And you did, sun cream hadn't been invented. Oh, my goodness. It hadn't been invented. And the number of Australian players who have developed skin cancer because of ignorance, really. Really? Oh, oh, loads, loads and loads because they didn't have protection. And everybody think, oh, it's nice and sunny. I won't wear a cap. I'll get a bit of sun. Yeah. The worst thing you could do. And the other thing, Josh, that, that, that now, nowadays they'll go, England will go to Australia and they'll take 16 players and 17 backup staff. We had two backup staff. We had the manager, an assistant manager, and a bloke called Bernard. And Bernard with a physio who, who also brewed up. He did all the brewing up. So there are only three of them. That includes Bernard. You uh, you mentioned there that, that they only go in for a beer after the test series now. Why do you think that is, that we sort of get that watered down? Is it a sense of... Do they see it as unprofessional now? Because I see things like that and I think that's where you miss out on say if you've had a drink with your you know, your opposite your opposition the night before and you've learnt a bit of his character, that's gonna add to a bit of personality and a bit of spice on the field, isn't it? Do you think it's more of a professionalism thing now where we save all that for after? It's more sort of tactical all the way through and sort of trying to get the job done. Because I think yeah. we do miss out on you miss out on characters that way, don't you as well? well I agree. I think you miss out on on friendships and camaraderie. And, you know, there's a nowadays, I think there's probably a bit of suspicion and it's the enemy. It is the enemy. But it's softened a bit because of things like the IPL, because the IPL will include in one team, you have New Zealanders, Indians, West Indians, Australians, English. And so they will get to know each other. So, you know, it's probably moving back to how it was that you actually do know these players you know like you know david warner's a spicy character and it's very nice if you just don't mix with him at all you can say well i don't like him mm. but you know I, I know i know david warner and he's a likable fella on the field he's a bit of a mongrel but off the field he, he's fine and so it's, you're better off in my opinion getting to know him getting to form a friendship but you know friendships and you mentioned you're you're an Enfield fan now I would play against Enfield and that's real rivalry real rivalry but great friendships fantastic friendships you finish the game get straight in the bar um and and just chat to each other and and then wait until you play them up at our joint Mm. and do it all again same with church great rivalry but great friendships yeah, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's why you play sport, really. Um, very, very quickly then, is when do you think the toughest place you ever played cricket was? You just mentioned there, 90,000 at the SCG. Is that, is that the most intimidating area, maybe? Yeah, it, it won't intimidate. And it, it's, it's tough, it's hard. And if you're, against oh, a better, if you're against a better team, it gets a bit harder. But I, I, I've never played... I didn't play in India. I didn't play in Pakistan. I've coached over there and I know the demands on the players, you know, with the conditions and the heat. Um, That's not easy for our players to to put up with all that heat. And so you've got to in these days, you've got to rehydrate and so on. The West Indies also can be quite a demanding place to play uh, because of the conditions and the heat. 
but they're, they're absolutely prime now to be as fit as, you know, in that first session, what it is now, I'm not into coaching now, but I want the same performance in session three as I'm getting in session one. Therefore, you've got to be fit. And so the demands of playing abroad means you've got to be fitter. And then you come on to Jimmy Anderson. He's an absolute freak. An absolute freak, Jimmy. 40 years of age. Nonsense. He's about 25. He's as fit as a fiddle. Yeah, I watched him at Old Trafford in the summer oh. and it's incredible to watch Unreal. him at his age, isn't it? Unreal. You sort of forget about it as well because we were Googling it thinking, he can't be, he's, he can't be, he can't be that age, he can't be that age. And then you do, he is. But he just keeps doing it, doesn't he, year after year. Um, and long may it continue, really. He's, um, he's driven. He is yeah. unbelievably driven. He, he doesn't, he, he'll bristles if you're mentioning his age. I play golf a bit with Jim from time to time, and it's an absolute hoot. He's as miserable on the golf course as he is on the cricket field. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll be happy to say that. Um, He's a great fella, a great lad. Yeah, excellent. Um, I wanted to just touch on, I guess, sort of cricket at the minute, for those that maybe aren't into cricket or don't really know about it. They're going through a bit of a strange time at the minute, sort of nationally, domestically, with talk around the county championships um, and the reducing of, of the games, etc. over the calendar. What are your thoughts on that? Because I know you've done a bit of work for Lanks this year, haven't you, on the commentary? And, and what are your thoughts on maybe the 100 sort of taking over a little bit? Um, because I know that we saw the one-day championship as well. That was reduced to a sort of second standard competition as well this year, wasn't it, domestically? Hmm. What are your thoughts on maybe the direction of, of where it's going at the minute? Because we seem to be at a little bit of a turning point, don't we? Well, it, it's like a runaway train at the minute, domestic cricket. And it means that you need strong administration. Now, the ECB, the governing body, have been, out, been without a chairman and a chief executive for a long, long time. They've just got new. They've got a guy called Richard Thompson and Richard Gould who ran Surrey. They are box office. The pair of them are top people, top. And I'm really hoping that they will sort things out. Now, you mentioned the 100. I worked on the 100 when I was working for Sky. And it was a hoot. It was it was great entertainment. It was fun. And you could tell that it's fun for the players, male and female, and also fun for the people that were watching. But it's in the way. It's in the way of everything else that we do. And what gnaws away at me, nobody else in the world plays that competition. So it reminds me of the Harlem Globetrotters, that it's just a bit of entertainment. But it's massively in the way of what we've always done in county cricket. And so the solution, in my opinion, is that the county championship is sacrosanct that produces cricketers that's where you get your first chance that's where you form your own play that's where you learn how to play professional cricket and it's been shoved at the front of the season almost in winter and at the back end of the season almost in winter that has to change they have to play county championship somehow at the height of summer and i'm in the camp because I've been a coach and I've been a player and I speak from real strength. Ten championship matches, 
10. The same of everybody else in the world, 10. Because I can then prepare as a player and as a coach, I can prepare the players to give the best possible performance. Not, not a load of quantity going through the motions, but quality. Yeah. Best players at peak of condition. That's county championship. The 50 over competition, straight knockout, start the season, straight knockout, end of April with minor counties in, sudden death, you're drawn against somebody. When you're out, you're out. That's it. That's how the Gillette Cup was. It worked. It worked. It gets to quarterfinal, semifinal, final. You find out all your mates because they're all ringing up and they want tickets. Quarterfinal, semifinal, final. So that's the one day competition. The T20 Blast is fabulous. It's fantastic. It's as good as anything in the world. Just keep it. It's going. Yeah. Exactly the same. And if you're shining a light in me, I get rid of that hundred. It's in the way. Great fun. Wonderful fun. Great entertainment. It's in the way of everything that we do. And to play all through August, August, yeah. with no cricket, they must be crackers. So Thompson and Gould will sort that out. End of the lesson. End of the yeah. lesson. <laughs> no, it's very honest of you. Thank you for that. I mean, I... I felt the same. I went to a few hundred games last year in Manchester, maybe because it was a shiny new thing. But I found that this year I wasn't interested in going at all. I I was watching it a bit on TV, but that sort of buzz around it, I thought, had, had, had sort of fallen by the wayside. Um, and then I saw that Lancashire and Yorkshire were playing in the county championship in September. And I just thought, yeah. dearie me, what is happening there? You know, yeah. I think it was the week that kids went back to school and you just think, it, I mean, you don't you don't criticise your, your, your fellow workers, but, you know, I can't watch that hundred. They're just screaming. They just, your commentators just screaming. Calm yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just anybody with any modicum of sense will know that when you're doing commentary, whatever it is, you, you can't start. Bang! You can't. You've got to build up to that. And the other thing is, in commentary, and I'd tell anybody, do not miss the moment. Because the moment is there for you. You can't be telling some flaming story about Herbert and Janice. And yeah. there's a massive run out. You can't. You've got to know what you're doing. Anyway, again, end of that lesson. No, no, thank you for your honesty. Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with that and sort of understand where you're coming from as well. Um just lastly then on sort of obviously your ex extensive sort of really good sort of career that you had in playing, managing, umpiring as well and commentary. Do you sort of look back at your playing days with, do you ever think, oh, I could have done this a bit differently or I wish I'd done this at certain times? Are there any moments that you maybe look back and not regret, but I guess sort of think maybe I could have done things differently there in any ways? No, no, I just wish I'd have been a bit better, which is selfish. You know, I, d I did yeah. play 19 or 20 years at the highest level, uh, went on to coach uh, England and Lancashire. So I achieved everything that I wanted to do. Um, my biggest regret is that I'm not commentating now, which was out of my hands. Um, but, you know, I'm just hoping that I will get back into commentary at some stage. Um, I know I'm, I'm sort of mid-70s, but I, I don't think that matters too much. 
In, in fact, when they talk about inclusivity and diversity, I'm straight in there. I'm age. age yeah. So don't, don't worry about me. I'm fine because I know what I'm doing. In commentary, I know what I'm doing yeah. because I've done it for a very long time. So I might get opportunities again in the future. But in the meantime, I'm living... I'm living on the dark side and I live over in North Yorkshire, way in the in the depths of North Yorkshire, really away from anywhere. And uh, what's passing my time now is I've got an allotment um, and I've got a tractor and a sit on mower. I've got a few fields and I like nothing better than cutting grass. It's a man thing is that I'm, I'm speaking to all the ladies as well. It's a man thing. Get Get on a machine and cut some grass. It's the most therapeutic thing you could ever do. And I love doing it. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I think a lot of people will sort of agree with you there. I hope that I hope that we do see you back on sort of camera soon enough because there's some when I put again when I put the tweet out last night asking for moments, my friend was just sending me sort of your best bits on video and stuff like that. So I think a lot of people share your um share that. We'd love to see you back. Yeah. Um well I've got a few more questions if you if you've got enough time. Yeah, I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah, good. Excellent. Yeah, well, let's get back on to sort of Stanley then and, and Hindburn and Accrington. Um, you mentioned there that you can't travel at the minute through through sort of illness and you watch a lot of York City. Um, how often do you get to watch Stanley? Have you been sort of cheekily watching links and videos or is it just oh, as yeah. and when? Yeah, watch it all, you know, on a tablet or on my phone. Yeah. Watch it all the time. Um, and I'm in contact with people you know at the club and supporters so you know I have a good idea what's going on I think it's fantastic I, I chuckle when Andy Holt he puts the balance sheet up every week oh, it's crazy isn't it crazy and, and, and of course you'll get every now and again you'll get a bit of criticism which I find grossly unfair because you know we all remember that 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 ground was a wreck and and now you know it's a stadium to be proud of it really is. And the number of people that turn up with opposition fans who say, what a day, what an afternoon, what an experience. You know, that is is what it should be. And I know it gets upset, Andy, if there's any bother, if there's any trouble, you know, just behave yourself, you dickheads. It, it gets straight to the point. Um, you know, it, it, you've got to, you've just got to have a brain in your head and behave properly. But the stadium and look, look at the pitch. Pitch is like world class. No slutch everywhere, no goal mouth. And it is brilliant. So it is something for all of us, Accringtonians and Heimburnians, to be very proud of. Absolutely, yeah. I think any criticism that you can put to Andy Holt, whatever your opinions are, I think that anything around the stadium or the sort of where the club is now, financial footing is it just sort of eclipses that, doesn't it, really? He d he's done some really good work for the club in itself. Humble. And he won't be there forever. That, that's yeah. he, won't, he won't be there forever. He, he's got other things that he's involved in. And, you know, family life is very important. Uh, but he, he's given us a great footing, a magnificent footing. And the other thing is that, that Accrington is now a place to be proud of. I, I follow amazing Accrington on Twitter. Yeah. That sort box race that looks hilarious, and then they've got the Christmas markets. You've got everything, um, and that is putting the town on the map and giving everybody in the area a purpose. Yeah, it gives everybody a purpose. It really does. 
I agree, and it needs that innovation, doesn't it? Place like Accrington and Hyman in general as well. These ideas that need to be coming forward. Um, excellent then. So, in terms of the current side, who do you rate as a player? Because I am Sean McConville's biggest fan, probably. He's been on this himself. Um, yeah. He's sort of the Stanley legend for me at the minute. Is there any players that sort of stand out for you? Any highlights so far this year, maybe? Well, Seamus Keneally's in and out, and I think he's been fantastic for the club. Um, you know, real intelligent guy and, and club captain. Uh, Sean, he keeps coming up with these assists and goals and set pieces. You know, a terrific player and Mr Accrington, if you like, from the playing side. And we've got John and Jimmy from the management, but Sean McGonville identifies with Accrington. Tommy Lee's played well. You know, from you know what we're doing is is giving these lads. You've got an opportunity yeah. in League One to better yourself, and we won't stand in your way. We get a bob or two for you. That's fine. But we've we've formed you. We've helped to create what you are. And if you've got ambition and if you're any good, you can move on to something better, and we'll find another. And he's, he's so good, John and Jimmy, at finding these lads from non-league with a bit to prove. Our, we've missed Jay Bagalow and Nottingham. We've massively missed them yeah. because the pair of them are a real presence. And so, you know, I know that John has said that he's never had a season with so many injuries. But the thing is, it's injuries to key players. Yeah. Sometimes you can ride injuries if it's a squad player and you're not missing very much. But when the key players, you're going to be missing a lot. Key areas of the pitch, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, hopefully. I mean, what do you think hopes for this season? I think I'm always, I think you said on, on Darren's didn't you last week, I think that it's always just to stay up, isn't it? Especially with where we are at the minute, still mm. coming back off the, the hangover of COVID as well, financially. Um and just the injuries piling up, really. Yeah, st- stay in the division, number one. But I know we've lost three on the bounce. But, you know, with that, that type of team that we can blow hot and yeah. get three results. And get three results in that league and you, you back up and you're bubbling under. And again, you don't want to peak too early, but you don't want to be in the doldrums for too long. You know, I look at West Ham last night. West Ham win 2-0 last night. And suddenly, from being in that bottom three, the tenth, yeah, and yeah. Liverpool, and they're like two two points, three points behind Liverpool, who, who had a shocking result against Forest. And so you, you you know from from our point of view at Stanley, we just need a little bit of consistency with the results. We're leaking goals and not scoring. Yeah. So we need to you know get it in the back of the net. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, we had. The back-to-back wins a few weeks ago and it completely yeah. changed the table, didn't it? Just like yeah. you said there. Um, then we lose three. You lose to Derby. My mate, mate's a massive Derby. One of my ex-bosses at Sky. Massive Derby fan. And he he said that you, you'll hammer us. He said the midfield's non-existent. Wow. He said the, 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 the defence go off for a smoke every now and again. He said we can't score. Um, oh, the centre-forward got sent off last week so he's not playing. So they beat us three. <laughs> Christ, yeah. But that is that league all over, isn't it? I yeah. guess. Like you said, we could turn up this week and roll someone over three or four, and you wouldn't be that. You wouldn't be that uh, surprised, really. But also getting beat like that, 
Um, excellent then. So I guess, like you say, you've, you've come through, you've seen Stanley over however many years, I guess, ranging back 60, 70 years. I'd say I was asked what what would be your number one Stanley memory in particular, and I also wanted to ask you about if you had any dealings with Eric Worley over the years as well, because I always like asking people that because I knew Eric um, as a sort of family friend, and and some of the stories you get out of him are amazing, and he's a very sadly missed. I just wondered if you had any memories of Eric, and yeah, your, your number one Stanley memory really. Well, massive with Eric. I, I played cricket against Eric. He was playing at Rishton and Frank Martindale as well, who's still family. Yeah. Eric was a fantastic bloke. Absolutely through and through the area, whether it be Great Harwood or Accrington. And the two lads, I've seen the two lads and the big lads now growing up. Um, and he was using his own money to finance the club. And, you know, he, he actually he kept us going. He, he really kept us going. And I don't know whether this story is true. I don't know whether it's true. I really hope it is. Because he, didn't he make horse boxes? And I, th- I think he made horse boxes. As his business? Yeah. Carton. Eric Wally Carton. Carton's, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I think it had something to do with horse boxes. And I've heard a story, I hope it's true, that a trainer, a, 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 quite a distinguished, didn't pay his bill. And so... He went up and put one of his horses, Eric went and put one of his trainer's horses in his horse box and brought it back and tied it to the goalpost at Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can understand him doing that, Eric. That's exactly what he would do. So, you know, when you ask about what are your memories, well, that is a, a massive memory of Eric Worley keeping the club afloat and spending his own money. and you know, there every day. Yeah. He, he was just a fantastic bloke. And and as you say, he's sadly missed. Um, I think promotion from Division 2 to Division 1 was special. Yeah. I was, I was there for that. When the announcement came, please do not go onto the pitch at mm. the end. Okay, then. Right. Okay. Yeah, all right. I've got a great <laughs> picture of me holding a flag on the pitch as well. <laughs> So that that was that was a special time. I would be I I, I I go behind the goals. Yeah. Fit and well enough. I don't like sitting at that side with other sort of former directors. Because ah. they're always chirping away. They're all. I'd rather go behind the goals. And I know a couple who, who come and the wheels. You know what it's like. You stand in the same place, don't you? Yeah, Everybody you do. Same place. And I like. I like, I'm old style that I like to lean on a bar. I like to lean on that railing, as I used to do at the old Peel Park, at, at the top end, at the coppice end. You lean on it, just lean on it. Yeah, yeah. that's a way to watch football. No, it absolutely is, yeah. You don't get that in many places now either, do you, to be fair? No, it, and you, you mentioned York City. They've moved to a community stadium. It's a council stadium and it's really nice, very, very nice. In a in one of these shopping complexes, it's a lovely stadium, but they made it all seater, and they didn't need to. And go behind the goals, and and the, you've got to order your own seat. But the the spectators go to the back of the stand and stand up. Yeah, go, wow. 
And then you get stewards coming, can you sit down? No, I can't sit down. I've got piles. I can't <laughs> <laughs> No, fair enough. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, so then, I guess, what do you think, what do you hope the future holds for our football club, I guess, short and short and long term? I think you've just touched on it a little bit, haven't you? I think, for me, if I was going to say, it, it's just all about stability, I guess, even after sort of Andy Holt hands the reins over to somebody else. I think that we've just got to hope, maybe it's the, the memory and the stories of the 60s, but for me, I just want the football club to be there and sort of to be stable at all times, really. Those are my hopes for the future. What would yours be? To get into the championship. I'd, I'd yeah. have that ambition to get into the championship and show everybody what a small uh, hometown club can do, punch above its weight. Um, you know, we're one step away. We're in League One. And of course, you want to stay in the division because we've got all the facilities and the stadium now. The other thing is to double our home gate. Yeah. I know we're up to 2,000, so we've doubled from 1,000 to 2,000. Double it again. Um, and to, to tell everybody in Accrington loud and clear, that is a fantastic afternoon's entertainment. You go in that marquee in the fan zone, there's a couple of bands banging away, and they're usually bloody good. They're really good. Um, come meet, meet the opposition spectators and have a yarn with them. It is a great experience. And, and if, you know, you, you're missing, if you're not going, you're missing out. And of course, it's good to win. You, you, you follow a team because you want them to win. And we don't always win, but we have a bloody good time. No, we absolutely do. Yeah, you're right. I think it's, it's just getting that message across, isn't it? Um, fantastic. Cheers. Um, so I've got a, I asked this question to everyone that I've been speaking to really You've just mentioned there that you want to get back into commentary as well. What what, what does the future hold for yourself? Where, where do you see yourself coming in, in the sort of the coming months and years? Would it be just moving back onto TV in, in any way you can? Yeah, I, I'm in that position now that I will get, um, and I have I've, I get offers of work, yeah. but I've not, I've not been well enough really to take them on. Um, I've got a, a good offer, which I can't say too much about in January, which is nearly over the line. And I just hope I'm well enough to, to do that. Um, but I, I think long term, I would see myself going back into radio. Yeah. Um, because TV is, it, it's like, it, again, I mentioned the game's like a runaway train. TV commentary is now like a runaway train and I'm not sure that I fit in because they're not having a lot of fun yeah you know when I was involved we'd do all sorts go go into the crowd yeah uh, drive a tram go on a canal barge and in a seven hour day that slot would be less than a minute but the the reaction that he would get from um, viewers is immense it's one minute, maybe two minutes in a seven hour day. But the reaction that people want to have fun. And I'm not seeing that now. I'm, I'm not seeing anybody doing that. Um, and on, I'm going back to my roots, really, on radio, because that's, I started on Test Match Special. That's where I started uh, with the BBC and then moved into TV. And so in time, I, I would think when I'm well enough, 
Um, and I sort one or two things out that it, it, it could be, I could be back in radio. I think that's my favourite way of sort of, of taking cricket on actually I I just I love listening to test match special I think it's because of the tradition and the, the sort of people that have been there for years um they make it fantastic to listen to so you'd be an unbelievable addition to that as well um that's not going to happen no <laughs> <laughs> um no that would never happen but I I listen to talk sport I, I, oh, yeah. I, I flip it talk sport um Simon Jordan and Jim White first up with Graham Sooners now I'll, be, I'll flipping love it I, I do, they ring me up on cricket matches all the time and I'm, I'm talking with Ali McCoist and Alan Brazil and Laura Woods it, it, I mean, you're just having a chat, there's no formal no formal script you just have a chat and yeah. then they, they always have a, a like a proper footballer in with them, Andros Townsend or, or somebody and you're chatting away to him. Oh, Martin Keown. And yeah. I said to Martin Keown, I said, you were a dirty sod, you. <laughs> he said, I was high but fair. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? I think it's just when it's when it's sort of too, too sort of, uh, I don't know what you'd say, formalised. That's when it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a sludge, doesn't it? But yeah. On talk sport, it's not. We, you, we can go off piste and so on. I did. Yeah. Andros, Andros Townsend were on and we were chatting about cricket. Well, I said, never mind that. What about that goal you scored? I were there. I, the Etty had that goal for Crystal Palace. It's one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. And then I said, do you know Will Saha? He said, of course I do. I play with him. I said, <laughs> the best footballer in the Premier League, Will Saha. Brilliant. And we were supposed to be talking about the cricket. That's it. Perfect. Um well, all the best with it then, whatever you do sort of run on to, um, even if it isn't a Test Max special. Um, well, I wanted to ask you then, in terms of Heimburn in itself and the area, obviously it's it has its ups and downs. We're now moving into what many people will think could be a recession coming in. We've got the cost of living crisis, the chaos that is surrounding Westminster at the minute. Um, what are your hopes for the future of, of Heimburn, you know, and and where we're moving forward with that because I think that now more than ever we're in a time really where it's very uncertain isn't it and I do, I do sort of fear for for areas like ours and and Hamburg and Haslinden really we, we will get through yeah. we've been there before we've been in these situations before and we will get through and of course you want everything from government downwards stability you need to know what you're doing you need to know where you're going. You need to have a plan. Yeah. It's as simple as that. You work to a plan. But in times of adversity, in my opinion, we will get through. That's what we do. Because we ain't living in Henley on Thames. We're not living in Notting Hill. We are Accrington. We will get through. That's a gorgeous way of putting it. Um Excellent. Yeah, I love that. Um, I've got a few small little fan questions, if you've got another five or ten minutes that have been sent in, just for yeah, you. Go, go, quick go. fire. Um, Jonathan Allen asked on Twitter, how good did it feel as an opening batsman for Lancashire? Your partners had gone and Clive Lloyd came in. Yeah, I mean, great mate, Clive. Same, same name, namesake. 
Um, one of the most extraordinary things I ever heard when Clive and I, we must have had a break, like a lunch and tea, and we're going back out to bat. And you've got the members all sat there. And we just, me and him's walking down the steps at Old Trafford. One member says to the other, are these Lloyd's brothers? Clive just, he couldn't stop, he tears in his eyes. <laughs> I think if anyone doesn't understand that, just Google the, <laughs> the two names, yeah. Um, amazing. Um, what year would that have been around then? Because I know that he, he was around the Lancashire League as well, wasn't he, Clive Lloyd? Yeah, he played at Aslingdon. Um, but this, this would be sort of mid-70s, yeah. any time during the 70s. Yeah, nice. Um, nice one. Uh, Keith Bishop asked, favourite game you played in, managed and then umpired? Right. Um, I'll, let's do managed first. OK. That England versus South Africa at Headingley. A five-match series, a real ding-dong series. I mean, clipping that with everything going in that series. And we won the series 2-1 at Eddingley. And they needed, on the final day, which was free to get in and 13,000 turned up, they needed 30 and we needed two wickets. And we knocked oh. up, I think Goffey knocked them over. So that, that was fabulous. And I've got a picture of that somewhere. Um game that I played in, the game that I played in, would probably be the the most memorable game would be the, the one that they call the game in the dark against Gloucestershire, that semi-final, when David Hughes scored 24-26 in an over. Um, when it, you know, it was twilight and we were still going, no lights, no floodlights, and we carried on playing. And the ground was full. And there'd be about 5,000 people sat on the grass as well. So, you know, that's a, a game that really sticks in your memory. Um, to umpire a game, they're all the same. You just do it. You see a pair of pads, just give them out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, we, we were the bosses. When, when I umpired, we were the bosses. None of this trying to manage the game. You just flipping pulled him across. Hey, just behave yourself. Yeah. Um, and they would do. So, uh, all all umpiring games, and I loved umpiring. It, it was terrific. That they're all much of a muchness. That that you're you lose the toss every day. You know you, you you don't win the toss and have a bat and go and sit down. Yeah. No, you're out there all the time. So they're all the same. You don't you don't see a player. Uh, you see a pair of pads, and you see oh. a front line. It's either a no ball or he's out LBW. That's it. And I never, ever got any crap from any player. And they were wise not to do it as well, because we, we were in charge. So th those those were the three things that would be quite special. That's interesting. Interesting about the umpiring. Um, Tom O'Chat on Twitter asked, in all your different cricket roles you had over the years, which gave you the most pleasure? Playing. Playing. I thought you'd say that. Yeah, playing. To be honest, I think that's a pretty straightforward one, isn't it? Um, nicely done then. So the last question I had was from a really good friend of mine, Lewis Barker, who you might recognise the name from Accrington Cricket Club, who's Keith Barker's nephew. His dad's Andy Barker and his granddad was older Keith Barker as well. Yeah. Um, he, he asked me, he wanted to, he asked you about, he wanted to ask about, obviously, the late, great Shane Warne that we recently lost as well, who spent a bit of time at Accrington. 
Um, Lewis's dad, Andy, captain Shane when he was at Aki that year. Um, what are your memories of, of Shane in Accrington and, and what did you first think of him as sort of a young player when he came through at that time? Well, I, I didn't know him at Accrington when he was Accrington Pro. Um, I was at Lancashire at the time. And so he, when we sort of started getting together and playing against him for England in Australia, he, he made a point of, you know, Accrington. And, and so we, we were great mates. Me and him were, were, were muckers, no question. The greatest bowler that we've ever seen, greatest showman, greatest entertainer, outrageous character. Couldn't begin to tell you on here what he was like. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, um, but a, a, a great mate, you know, just a fabulous bloke. And it's interesting that Lewis is Andy's lad, is he? Yeah, he is, yeah. I, I mean, what a family. What? Oh. Unbelievable. Great talent throughout. Dad, Keith, larger than life. And Clive Lloyd used to stay with them down at Clayton Moors. Yeah, Lewis. I think Lewis has got a picture when he's younger, and I speak yeah. to Lewis every day, and he's um he's got a picture of Clive Lloyd as well when he's yeah he's sat there when he's a toddler. Yeah, and, and Gary, um, and Andy, wonderful players. Andy came and played for Accrington for a while, played brilliantly. Um, there was a sister. I can't remember the sister's name. They had a sister. Um. Oh. It was uh, Dean as well. Dean was a brother, another brother. As well. And and Keith, I got a yeah. I got a from Keith last week. Um, he, he's he's player of the year in County. I was going to say he got he got a, was it writers player of the year or cricket yeah. writers player of the year? Fabulous. So I sent him a message and he he sent me a message back. Um, you being an Enfield fan, you 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 was it Big Roland the Barracker? Big Roland. God, God knows. God oh, knows. One of the great lines. What? Well, hey, Josh. So Big Roland used to used to drink in the bar during the game at Dillow Lane. Yeah. And Enfielder fielding. And there's a dog run on the pitch. <laughs> Do you know where I'm going with this? I think. Well, I think the story's been mentioned to me before. Yeah. Actually, yeah. He come out of the bar and said, get that dog off. There's enough barkers on there. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, that's, Lewis actually mentioned that to me. Yeah. So I thought I'd mention the name and see if he came up with that story. But yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so where's Lewis playing now? Is he playing? So he was been at Enfield, but he, I think last, he lives in Manchester as well over here. Um, I don't think he played last year for whatever reason. I don't know whether he, it's in terms of getting over to the club or anything like that. But yeah, he, he didn't play last year. I think he's on about maybe going back this year, yeah. Uh, oh, good lad. Yeah, I hope, hope he's listening and, and give him all the best. I, I haven't seen him for years, but I mean, a fabulous family. Fabulous. Yeah, they are indeed. And, and again, synonymous with sort of East Lancashire cricket, aren't they? Um, yeah, definitely. Perfect. Well, David, you've answered all my questions. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, I've really, really enjoyed that. Thank you for giving up your time. And I hope that all the best with, you know, your health and stuff like that. And hopefully you get moving again soon. And I hope to see you back on the airwaves or on TV as soon as possible. Josh, that's been brilliant. I've enjoyed the chat. Thank you. 
to thank David for giving up his valuable time and speaking to me. I wish him all the best on the road to getting fighting fit. And I know that you'll join me in saying that I hope to see him back on our screens as soon as possible. Thank you for tuning into Raw Milk. Our theme music is Mr. Powder by Deja Vega. Our producer is Scott Borton. Follow us at Raw Milk Zine on Twitter and Instagram and Raw Milk Fanzine on Facebook. You can also download, subscribe and like all of our podcasts at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Up the Reds! Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.